your wondrous mystery. Today we celebrate the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. It's kind of like a double exclamation point because you have the Holy Trinity, and it's not just holy, it's the Most Holy. That God's divine essence, that there's, there's nothing greater. And so we're talking today about who God is. And we hear different attributes in uh, the other first reading you could have heard. Um, was these words about God is God is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, rich in kindness. God is faithful. We hear how other readings talk about how God is loving. God is love itself. And so those are adjectives to describe God. But there's a reality of who God is that's deeper than that. You know, I don't know if you've ever had somebody say this to you, or maybe you thought this yourself. Um, I've had people say to me, they're like, well, you know, Father Matt, I mean, I know you're Catholic and all that, but we really don't know anything about God. Or, you know, we're all just worshiping the same God. Now, I, I do think there's truth, there's more truth in that statement. That I think when all of us get to heaven, you know, coming up different sides of the mountain, we're going to see in the Blessed Trinity the fulfillment of everything our hearts long for and all that has been revealed to us. Does that make sense? So, like, a lot of people, we all, you know, we all believe, a lot of people believe in the golden rule or something, or that God is almighty. And so when they get to heaven, they'll see the God who is almighty. But there's different religions that argue about, is God father or not? Is God loving and kind or not? And when we get to heaven, they will see the fullness of God in his love and kindness and say, ah, oh, now I see more fully. Whereas St. Paul says we saw dimly as in a mirror before, but then we shall see face to face. So there, there is only one God. But different religions, different people have different measures, you could say, of, of truth and awareness of that God. But people say, well, we can't, we can't know anything about God. I go, correct, unless God revealed himself. That we can know certain things about God, like his fingerprints, so to speak, or using philosophy and logic to try to understand who God is. But we could not know God's inner life unless he revealed it. It's kind of like if you're you know, in a relationship with somebody, you're dating somebody, and you're getting to know them more and more, and, and you know when they're starting to reveal their heart to you. Like the relationship now goes to another level because you, you know who they are. Not just the outside, but their, their inner life is now being revealed. And so in our opening prayer, we hear this phrase of that God, your wondrous mystery. And sometimes, and, and I apologize if anyone's ever said this to you, they're like, it's a mystery. You just can't understand it. That, that, that's not a good Catholic phrase. Um, because it's kind of dismissive. 
you know what, you can't understand it, so don't even try. That, that's, that's not very dignifying. That a mystery instead, when Catholics use the word mystery, we're not saying something unknowable or something to be solved, but we're saying something infinitely knowable. So you could think about like the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon is, you could say, infinitely knowable. Remember those two brothers went and they saw the Grand Canyon years ago, decades ago, and they said, we will spend the rest of our lives examining and coming to know the Grand Canyon, and they still haven't exhausted the mystery. Or, I remember I was at lunch one time with this couple who had been married 60 years, and in the middle of lunch, she turned to him and she said, you never told me that before. And he, he mischievously was like, oh, you know, uh. <laughs> he, he got one over on her. But he's, she's like, I didn't know that about you. She's like, I just learned something new about you after 60 years. That, that human persons are mysteries. Not unknowable, but infinitely knowable. And so that's, that's kind of the, the paradigm to think about God, that God, he reveals himself. And now he's infinite, we're not, so our understanding is always going to be limited. But we, we can understand some things. And actually, maybe, maybe this is one of my first points here, is to not know everything is okay. That if I don't fully understand God, like it, it's okay. If, if I don't understand why someone in my life did something, it, it's okay. It, it's actually pride to want to have to know and understand everything or feel like people have to tell us everything. But God, who, who knows that about us, God reveals what we need to know. We, I mean, to know everything would overwhelm our little brains, but, but God reveals that everything has been revealed that we need to know for salvation. And so I guess it gives me a freedom to know that I don't have to know everything. And, and that also helps me with other things like gossip and stuff like, you know what, that doesn't have to do with me. I don't need to know about that. That's not my business. It, it frees my mind to think about other things, you know. But so God is a mystery that he wants us to come to know. But if we don't fully know, like it, it's okay. But what has he revealed? You know, St. Augustine has this image that helps me that we know that God is a, a communion um, Philosophy tells us that God is that which nothing greater can be thought. It's a philosophical statement. If you don't understand it, it's okay. Um, um, but you think about like the gradients of being, and you kind of move up until you get that highest gradient of being, and that's what we call the divine essence. But what God reveals is that divine essence, which is it's just one divine essence, because you can't have like, there can't be like two divine essences. There's one divine essence. And what God reveals is that in that one divine essence is three persons. It's like, what? I thought it was one. It's like, it's one, one essence, but three persons who are in communion with each other. You have the Father who begets, loves the Son, and the Son receives the love of the Father, and the love between them is so real, it's tangible, you have the Holy Spirit. A human analogy that you can look at would be uh, somebody loves another person, you have the lover, and you have the one who receives the love, the beloved, 
and the love between them is so real, they are in love. It's, it's one relationship, so to speak. It's, it's, it's one act of love, you could say, and yet there's three, like, persons. An analogy, it's an analogy, so it's gonna fall short. Don't call me a heretic, um, but... <laughs> But that's, that's one way that Augustine gives us to understand that there's, there's one, but somehow there's three in one. Not three parts, but three persons in, in one. But what I love about that, that image is that that divine essence isn't just static, but it's a dynamic interplay, a communion, a relationship of love. And God, in his infinite love and mercy, wants to take you and I up the gradients of being, if you will, to share in the highest level of being. His being. And so relationships, they, it's just a relationship of love. It's a communion. And so you and I, I think we know this from my own experience, I want to be loved, and I want to love. And when, when I'm in that place, I'm most alive. And that's why it hurts so bad when, when relationships are cut off. And, and there's something in me that, that yearns, that screams for, for an infinite relationship. A deep knowing, a deep loving that will never end. And, and I believe, our faith teaches that God put that within us to give us a deep sense, awareness that I was, that I'm yearning, I was made for an infinite love. I think that's also why we call ourselves maybe human beings. That, that to be in relationship is not something you do, it's something you, you are in relationship. You be in relationship, if you will. And that human beings, that you and I, we're most alive when we're being versus doing. When, I, when I'm in relationship, I'm, I'm alive. And so maybe that's, that's kind of my, my second little sub-point here that we learn from God's essence is that you and I, at the end of the day, we are made for being, not doing. That's why all, when you work really hard and then at the end of the day, like students can feel this, like you work so hard at the end of the week, at the end of the semester, and then it all ends and you're like, now what? What matters? Who am I? It's like, it's, it's why, I mean, I've, I have that own tendency in my own life where I can keep myself so busy. At times in my life I've done that. I'm so busy because when I stop doing things, I feel meaningless. Like what, what is life all about? And yet what God wants to do is to move us from that doing and say, I didn't make you for doing. I made you for being. And, and that's why the, God gives us the Sabbath. That Sunday is meant to be that day where I remember who I am. That, that, I, that I turn back to God, the God of being, and, and I just rest in him. That I, I let him take care of the rest of the world, and I, and I rest in him, and I, I can feel, I feel, like maybe I'm wasting time. Like if I'm, I saw my, uh, I saw my mom this week, and she was telling me about her day, and 
And she's like, this person called, and I was on the phone for like two and a half hours. And then this other person came and stopped by, and she was there for four hours, and I feel like I didn't do anything. And it's like, well, but how did you feel about today? She's like, well, I felt good. Because we were, we were made for relationship. And we might not accomplish a whole lot on the checklist of things, but it's actually the healthiest and most renewing thing for us. And so all of us are called to do that. On Sundays, we, we come here, we, we go to Mass, we, we, we turn to the source of being to be renewed in being. We, we turn to meaningful relationships, family, if we can, around us, and, and are strengthened and renewed in that. that yeah, and there's different ways to be, like, that renews us, you know, but I know for myself, if I'm spending a lot of time on a screen, that I'm actually not experiencing communion. I, I feel isolated from a communion of persons happening out there. And so I want to, I want to, I can do that, but I want to make sure that I have time and space for real communion. I mean, last little point, in in our ultimate, in the relationship with that ultimate relationship, God, St. Ignatius invites people on retreat to do this. He says, when you enter into prayer, he says, for the space of an Our Father, which you could say 24 seconds or whatever. So in, in the little space as I begin my prayer, he says, the first thing he invites people to do is to call to mind the blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this communion of love that, that gave me existence and holds me in existence. This communion of love that draws me into him. And so I can almost, I can almost feel like a warm hug. Like I'm, I'm caught up in, a, in a, cloud, a, a warm cloud of connection and communion. Where I'm no longer alone but I'm with the source of being who loves me and who wants to care for me and invites me to simply come and, and receive. So perhaps that's a, a practical, tangible way that we can grow in peace, but we can grow in that relationship with God is as we go to pray today. You can even do it as you sit here. You can tune me out. That's okay. You know, that you can, as, as there's silence and mass, and there's supposed to be silence and mass, because in that space of silence, I'm invited to turn my heart to God and like St. Ignatius invites, to, to call to mind the God of all being, this communion of persons who invites me into that communion to receive his love, to be renewed and strengthened, to know the mystery of his, of his love here now as I journey to be united with that mystery of his love for eternity in heaven.